the congregation, the also morning families in our midst this morning. As we know, we will someday die, don't we? We don't want to think about that, maybe. But it's reality. Someday we breathe out the last breath, and it's over. No time left to seek the Lord anymore, to read the Bible, to bow your knees. The opportunity is gone, and it is eternity. So we are encouraged today through the death of beloved ones and through the Word of God. We are encouraged to think of our own life, our own death. Of course, we think of the death of our beloved mother and father and husband. Understandable. We also have to think about our own death. Because Satan likes it when we are busy with the eternal destiny of others and forget about our own destiny. So we must also hear the word of God ourselves. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Nevertheless, we are going to focus on someone dying this morning. Someone dying in hope, dying in faith, dying with an inheriting, and dying when it is well. The text is from Luke 23, verse 43. Luke 23, verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So far. So the theme is very simple, the text Thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we divide it in three pieces. In the first place, who? Well, it says thou, right? Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Who, who are those thou's? Secondly, with who? It says in our text, with me. Thou shalt be with me. And in the third place, where? In paradise. So thou shalt be with me in paradise. Who, with who, and where? Congregation, young friends, in, with my mind's eyes, I see that hill close to Jerusalem. And they see three crosses next to each other. And three people hang on there. They have been crucified. They have received those nails through their muscles. And they hang there on their, on their own weight. Deep pain, crucifying pain. No wonder we call that crucifying. And let us in the first place focus on one of them. Maybe it's one to the left or to the right. I don't know. But let us first look about them that died without grace. I don't know his name. I don't know. Was he Jewish? I suppose so. At least he knew something. They knew something about the kingdom of God. And they must have heard about Jesus And they may have been related 
or have belonged belong to the same gang as Barabbas, we, we know very little of them. But when you first look at this man, he is unconverted, unprepared for his own account. He has no God for him. There's no comfort for him. He has nothing. There's his life behind him. He lost everything. Eternity in front of him. And he is a lost sinner. Without God. Most terrible thing you can think of. He is a malefactor. That's an old word for criminal. He has been hardening his heart also on the cross also in the last few hours. He's even mocking with Jesus. He's laughing, making fun of him, and he's dying himself. That's unbelievable that people, when they're dying themselves, can be so hard on others. He's laughing about it. He's not taking life very seriously. And he is not realizing how close he is to eternity, I suppose. He saw his need of being rescued from the cross, but he did not see his need to be rescued from his sins. He didn't see that. He was not looking for forgiveness, not looking for Jesus, not looking for reconciliation, absolutely nothing. And as we know, the Lord is going to pass him by. The Lord is letting him choose himself. And he has chosen against the Lord. He is an enemy of the Lord. He did not care about the law of God. And is resisting the Holy Spirit in, 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 in its coming work. He did not love the Lord at all. He was what we call dead. Dead in sins. He was still alive, hanging there, but he was spiritually dead. There was no will whatsoever to turn to God. There's absolutely nothing. He did not repent. He did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was walking on that broad way into the destruction and was coming fast. So. That's also how he died. He died unsaved, unreconciled. And let me quote from the Bible what that means. If you die without God, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me. Imagine hearing that. Depart from me. Ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels and they shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal it's the Bible let us not skip that or think of the rich man lifting up his eyes being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that I may dip, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. So this man had heard of Jesus, 
had been close to him. He heard the others speaking highly of Jesus. But although not far from the kingdom of God, there is no evidence at all of his salvation. He has no remorse and will be only compunction. One of the new words I learned, compunction. Deep, terrible regret. The breaking of, of, of the conscience and to be lost. All that unquenchable fire, that other darkness, that gnashing of teeth. And it's only his own fault, right? He ends up in hell because it was his choice. And the man on the other side of Jesus, let's now look at him. He was a criminal as well, a gang member, I suppose. Be friends with Barabbas, possibly. He had also chosen against God. He was an enemy of God himself as well. As well. He was not any less dead in sins. He was equally corrupt at heart. He lived for his own account as well. He heard of Jesus also and didn't believe in him. And we read in other Gospels that he was also mocking with Jesus. I see no difference. You? The man to the right, the man to the left, do you see difference? There was no difference. Nothing. No difference. Not the slightest difference. Both unrepentant and unbelieving. There's only one difference. Not in him. There's a difference in that, in that God had chosen him to save him. Although he didn't want to be saved. Although he didn't care. But the Lord was first in his life. There was a change because God had chosen to save him. He had predestinated him to the praise of the glory of God's grace. God had chosen to show what he could do. He, would, he was willing to display his great mercy in saving one of them and leaving the other in the common misery he has plunged himself into. So while on the cross, a huge miracle happened. Huge. Immense. Even more of a miracle than the creation of the universe. More than a resurrection from the dead. He became alive. His eyes opened. He began to see what life is. He began to see what sin is. He received love in his heart. He changed quite a bit. And I had to think of what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 2. And you has he quickened who were, were, not anymore, who were dead in trespasses and sins. But in, in time past, not anymore, in time past, he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had. We all had our conversation in time past. We all did. 
but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even then the dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ. So there's a change. So what happened? What does the Bible say in this chapter? At least five things. At least five things are said about this second criminal. Let me mention the five things that I found in the, in the Bible here. Not in chronological order, but just the way they're mentioned in the Bible here. I hear him rebuking the other one. I hear him evangelizing. I mean, he's saying something like, what are, you, what are you doing? Don't don't say this. You can't do that. This man has done nothing amiss. Who are we? We have sinned. He, he reaches out to them, to, to, to the other one. He rebukes him. Because love was poured out in his heart and he did not think this was fair. He, you, you couldn't say that. He has the courage to say something. He cannot keep his mouth closed anymore. You know, when the Lord gives life in the heart of a mother, a father, a child, you become such a concern about yourself and others that you have to talk, that you have to warn, that you have to say, no, you cannot do that, you cannot go there, you cannot, you cannot live that way, you need something else, you need forgiveness. Because such a pressure, you have to talk. Ephesians 5, verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And you know, when there is something serious in, in the heart about it, you, you have to reprove people. And you say, I, I have to say something. Secondly, I see the word fear. He's asking, do you not fear God? So apparently he did. Fear not in a sin of panicky and petrified and just so terribly afraid, but fear in the sense of such deep awe and respect for the Almighty God to tremble and to appreciate and to reverence and to highly esteem God and to see God somehow who he is. And not only God, but also Christ. Psalm 89, verse 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Do you? Do you fear God? Are you a God-fearing man? A God-fearing wife? Women, a God-fearing child. Do you know something of that? Draw to the Lord and being still and let God be God and hungry for him. In the third place, he confesses his sins. We indeed justly. See that? When the Lord gives a new heart, then people begin to know themselves and they, they stop complaining about others 
and they have their hands full by themselves. We indeed justly, we receive the due reward of our deeds. I hang here on the cross, and it's deserved. I, it's my own fault. He owns up. He does not disagree with justice. He thinks this is fair. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I heal from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal them, will heal the land. So it is crucial to know your sins and to confess them wholeheartedly and to feel also unworthy of the least of God's blessings. You also know that from Luke 15. I will arise and go to my father, will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. In the fourth place, he is praying for mercy. He said, remember me. Remember me in thy kingdom. So he's asking to be remembered, to be remembered in God's grace. Remember not my sins of my youth, nor my transgression according to, my, to, to thy mercy. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Oh, that, that's a real prayer that goes out to the Almighty God. O God, be merciful to me. Remember me. Don't forget about me. Rescue me. Is the need so great that you call out and speak also such prayers unto the Lord? There is also in the fifth place faith. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knows that this is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the one who only can save them. And he asked ask him to remember him when he is coming into his kingdom. See, five things. There's more. Five things. Do we rebuke? Do we fear God? Do we confess our sins? Do we pray for mercy? Do we believe in him? So who is it? And Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, to thee thou, this man, thou shall be with me in paradise. Brings to the second thought, with me. <clears throat> so you see those three crosses right on the, on the Calvary Hill. And Jesus in the midst of them. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And Jesus is answering him. He knew him, that second man. He received him in eternity from his father. He loved him already. He was willing to give his blood for him. How could he not answer him? He was one of his 
And he said, Today thou shalt be with me. Thou shalt be. No doubt about that. And thou shalt be with me. Thou. Not to someone else, but you. No, the Lord does not promise salvation to our people unconditionally, but to them that humble themselves and to them that cry out to him and to him believing him. And today he also speaks in a sense that same thing to us. Thou shalt be with me in paradise if thou wilt repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That door is opening also in the preaching today. And you may wonder, me, me, with me in paradise, me with the Lord, that seems so impossible, and yet all things are possible with the Lord. And he, he is assuring this man, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so the assures his people all the time that they'll be well with them. And what is the heart of the blessing? That they will be with him. Let us elaborate on that. Be with him. That is the safest place, not? There's no distance anymore. With me. No distance between God, Christ, and his people. They'll be close. Not far. They're with him. For the blessing for families when they may know that and may hope that and may seek that themselves with him, with the Savior, always together. No distance anymore. All sins forgiven. With me forever. Together as the bride and the bridegroom. And it says today, That means that Christ announces his own death, right? Today I'm going and today I take you along. Today there is no purgatory. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we read that quite often in the Bible. And the Lord Jesus laid his life down for his people. And that he is saving them. That he does not, did not only know the time of his death, but he decided upon the, the time of his death. John 10. Therefore does my Father love me because I lay down my life. I lay down my life. The Lord Jesus' life was not taken from him. He laid it down himself. And they sought to take him, but no man laid hand on him because his hour was not yet, not, not yet gone. So he, he dies this, this exactly same hour as he wants to. Today, no delay. Immediately. So as soon as the child girl dies, the door goes open. And they enter in the door. The door closed behind them. And they are with him. 
friends and family may not know where they, where they are. They may just wonder or may have questions. And, but if we are going through the door, we know it ourselves. It might be a surprise for some. And others might be surprised to stand outside and to not come in. And to hear, I don't know you. You did work iniquity. Today. You know that today in the Bible has many different meanings. Here it says today means today, without delay, that murder on the cross will be with Christ in heaven. We also read the word today in verse as Hebrews 4. Again, he limited a certain day, saying, David, today, after so long a time, as it has been said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So that's also a message for the families, for the morning families, today. Today, your beloved one might be in paradise. The Lord knows all things. But today, you must hear his voice. Today, harden not your heart. Let us labor to enter into the rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. It's not always so bad to be late for an appointment. It can happen. Late in school, late in church. But to be late can also be fatal. When people discover, doctors discover cancer too late, that they say we cannot do anything anymore, but it's not too late yet for us. There's still time left. We don't know how much time there's left. There was no time left for this murder on the cross. He was taken out of his life, but it was yet on time with me in paradise. Did you know that the Lord Jesus himself desires the church to be with him? It's not only the desire of God's people to go to heaven. It's also God's desire. It's Jesus' desire. Let me show you that. That it is the desire of God's people and of the Lord. First, God's people. I read in Philippians 1, For I am in a strait, in a predicament. I don't know what to say, what to choose. I'm in a strait between two, having a desire to depart. Really? Yes, to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So the Apostle Paul said, Staying with you and preaching the gospel is good work. He loves that work. But it is far better to depart and to be with Christ. Far better. Do you know that? Do you feel the same way? We read about that in 2 Corinthians we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present 
with the Lord. Absent with the body, but in heaven being present with the Lord. You know, sometimes a visitor comes over to your house, he's sitting at your table, sitting around in the circle in the living room and talk to you, someone with you. What about if he is present? The Lord Jesus, for that reason, ascended. Ascension day. It's not ascension day yet, but let me quote from John 14. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That there I am, that ye may be also. So the Lord Jesus goes to heaven to make room, to make mansions, to make an habitation for his people because he wants to receive them unto myself that I am that ye may be also. The Lord Jesus even prayed for that. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me. There I am. So the Lord Jesus pleading and pressing his Father. Not that his Father was unwilling, but he was an advocate for his people. He was the lawyer for his people. And he said, which Father I will that they also whom thou hast given me in eternity be with me there I am, that they may behold my glory. So the Lord Jesus, praying the Father for his people to be with him, so that they may see his glory. A glory thou hast given me. A glory thou hast given me because thou lovest me since before the foundation of the world. So the Lord Jesus is still in heaven, still praying that. Lord, I want them. I want them to be with me. And he works with his Holy Spirit and, and works in the heart of sinners. And he draws all the elect in. No, but not, not, not one be missing. Think of Stephen who was stoned. And they stoned Stephen he was calling upon God. What did he say? Saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Not my body, but my soul, my spirit. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that is a text not talking about the soul, but about the body. There's a difference. In our text, it's about the soul. Thou shalt be with me in paradise, with the soul. With, to see with his soul's eyes. To meet with him as a, as a soul, not with the body yet. That will come later. Christ 
is promising. Today thou shalt be with me. Shall, thou shalt be with me. Thou. That becomes a wonder for God's people. That not only it is for others, but for them. Because they feel the cheat of the sinners. They feel so unworthy of that life. Then to yet be saved by God's grace. For them, paradise, that's the greatest wonder. And what a difference it is if we may believe it for ourselves. Maybe hesitantly, maybe more clearly. The thing is not what people think, but the thing is what the Lord thinks about it. And the Lord will save his people from their sins. With me. In paradise. Our third thought. With him. But where? In paradise. The word paradise is a word that we find three times in the New Testament. It's not to be found in the old one. It is not a Greek word. It is not a Hebrew word. It's a Persian word. We find it in 2 Corinthians 12, how that he was cut up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not love for man to other. And we read it in Revelation 2 verse 7. He that has an E, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So paradise is a Persian word. And the dictionary says this. Among the Persians, a grand enclosure or preserve hunting ground, park, shady and well-watered, in which wild animals were kept for the hunt. It was enclosed by walls and furnished with towers for the hunters. It was a special garden, enclosure, and a place to enjoy hunting, place of a garden of true pleasure, and Lord Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Therefore, this does not refer to the future world, at least not in our text, but to the soul's world today. So there is now a paradise in heaven. With thee in paradise. Let, us, let me try to elaborate on that. On that garden. In that garden in paradise, God's children will hear the voice of Christ. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. The voice of my beloved. With the sweet voice of the Lord Jesus in the garden. The Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden heard the voice of God in the garden. And the voice of the Lord Jesus will be heard 
with the sweet voice of Jesus to hear her. Let me elaborate a few more things, and then I found a beautiful poem that covers most of those texts. Let me just work it out a little bit more, and then, then, then mention the, the poem. So that that voice, my beloved, the voice of my beloved. Think of the singing of the birds. Really? For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. So in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, we read about the birds singing. That is a metaphor, I realize that. But that is an expression of what that paradise is. See, the voice of the Savior, of my beloved, and also the voice of the birds and the flowers. In that paradise, there will be a closure with God, and God's people will walk with Jesus. Like Enoch was walking with God. Like we read in Psalm 202, Psalm 202, my hand is in thy hand. No cares for me. Imagine. Thy hand in my hand. Holding hands. Hearing the voice of the beloved. Hearing the birds. And hearing also, and also seeing the the, the flowers and being close to him. Over there in paradise, there will be a talking to each other. The Lord Jesus will talk to his people. He will say, thou art my people. And they will say, oh, my God. Right, from Hosea? They were alone, am I, and not my people? And Lord says, no, 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 thou art my people. And they, they express also that talking to him. Oh, thou art my God. And there's a joy, a mutual joy, like the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so my God shall rejoice over thee. So not only the joy of God's people in church, in, in, in paradise, but also then the joy of the Lord. So keep it in mind when I read a poem, the joy from both sides. It will be something unheard of, something they have never seen or heard before. It's such a paradise. No, no ear has heard it and no eye has seen it what God has prepared for his people. Want to hear it? The poem? You can also sing it. He speaks and the sound of his voice
He speaks in the voice, in the sound of his voice, so sweet. The birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share. As we tarry there, none other has ever known. See that? He speaks, and the sound of his voice is sweet, right? The beloved, the beloved voice of the Lord Jesus. The birds has their singing. They're just holding it in. Because they hear the voice and the melody that he gave to me within my heart ringing. He speaks to the heart of Jerusalem. That's heaven. That's the kingdom. That's paradise. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we stay there. None other has ever known. What do we despise? What do we miss? The paradise. And this criminal, this awful man, who should be the last one going to heaven, he's immediately going to heaven. He didn't hardly have the time to express anything on earth. He could not evangelize. He did to his, to his, to his friend on the other side. It was worth it. The, the last moment, this awful sinner was saved from the wrath of the Almighty God. And he went to heaven to have that glorious joy enter into the joy of the Lord. So that door is still open. If you say, may I go in there? My answer is, Yes. The door is open. And the Lord has said, Whosoever believes in he will not perish, but have everlasting life. Or we have chosen against the Lord, but the Lord is still serious about it and says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Right? So contemplate that what heaven will be like. Are you on that narrow pathway to that eternal bliss that is such a blessing? You know, whatever befalls you in this, on, 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 in this life, whatever troubles you experience, it will be over soon and be all forgotten. And God will be all in all. And therefore, our life on earth needs to be a pilgrim's life. It needs to be a life if you're not so attached to the things of this life. Because if you love this world, you will perish with the world and you won't receive nothing of this. He speaks, and the sound of his voice so sweet now. He will thunder and say, depart from me. 
He was working in equity. And the melody that he gave to me, you won't get the melody. You won't, in, in hell, you'd scream. No melody. No birds hushing. He walks with me. No, no, no. If you die unconverted, he's not going to walk with you. He's not going to talk to you. He leaves you alone, and there's nothing in there for you. And tells me that I'm his own. Let us say, I don't know you. Go. Out of my eyes. Depart from me. Is that what you like? And the joy we share, as we tell you there, no, you won't share any joy. You're going to be alone and have no joy, not a drop of joy. To be utter darkness and unquenchable fire. So you absolutely need to repent and you need to make haste. Because it can be today. None other has ever known. Or what will that be? No other has ever known. I think it is John Edwards who says that in heaven every day will be infinitely new. Just increasing in the knowledge of God. Having that joy unspeakable, that glory is joy. Does it make you jealous? Do you say, yes, I heard it, it makes an impression on me. I know. The things like this make deep impressions. But you need to repent. You need a new heart. You need that, the change of heart. You uh, are not held by faking anything. It needs to be true. Nevertheless, this is in the Bible. This malefactor was marking with Jesus, was close to his death. He was at the last moment saved, and he went straight to paradise. It's an encouragement to all of us. Encouragement in the sense that the Lord says, See, Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. Satan tells you it's not for you. Satan tells you the door is closed for you. But the Lord says, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Amen.